Hey y'all, uh, my name is Rachel Newell. Um, I'm the administrative assistant here at Sale Street. Um, I've been here since August 29th of 2021. I'm married. This is my handsome husband right here in the second row. Um, some of the ways I'm a part of serving here at Sale Street is through paying the bills. Um, uh, I coordinate with people like Ms. Sheila Stockwell um, to make sure the Widows Fellowships are on the calendar. Um, people like Angela Runyon, if you don't know her, she does almost everything that you don't know about here. Um, so, yeah. Um, today we're in Mark 10. We're starting in verse 46, if you want to join me there. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you do? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Join me in prayer. Father, I pray that the eyes of our heart would be open to you, that you would give us ears to listen and eyes to see. I pray that we would not put your word to the side and that you would move and work in our hearts and our lives and we would be useful for you. I pray that you would open our hearts to, to the word that you have to say through Drew this morning. And you would bless our time in your word. Amen. Thank you, Rachel. Good morning, church. Good to be with you. If you would grab a Bible. And find that passage so that we can now work through it together. Um, it's important for us to have the Word of God in front of us. I know it's on the screens, you know, but it's good to have it in your hands and see the context around it. It's good for you to make sure that I'm not making this stuff up. And, uh, and it's good to, for us to remember that whenever we open the Word of God together, that this isn't like a pause in our worship. You know, this is a part of our worship. It's not like, okay, we'll sing a little bit later, and that's going to be when we start worshiping again. No, the way that we hear the word, and the way that we receive the word, and the way that we apply the word in our lives is a way for us to worship. And so I'm excited to worship with you in this way uh, in Mark 10, verse 46 on through 52. Um, now, about uh, 20 years ago or so, and uh, I can't believe it's about 20 years ago, but uh, about 20 years ago, Noelle, and, uh, for some reason, I really don't know the connection, and she's nervous about what I'm going to say, but, but it's, not, it's not anything to be nervous about. Um, about 20 years ago, she uh, 
put her name into this drawing that was connected with Contraband Days. You remember Contraband Days? It's, it's the Pirate Festival before they, they changed the name. And so she put her name into this drawing, and it was a chance to win this opportunity to go to this big sand pit and dig around for different prizes. And like the grand prize was this like one carat diamond solitaire ring. And so just as a little tip in life, if you ever see Noelle enter her name into some kind of drawing, just save your time, don't put your name in, because she's probably going to win that thing. She has won so many different drawings, and I win none of them, and so I guess it kind of evens out, you know. And so sure enough, uh, her name was one of the ones that was drawn, and so the day came for her to, to go and, and do this little event. I think I had to work, so I missed out, but um, so she goes to it, and there's this big sand pit, and there were some others who were there, too, to participate. And I think a few people went ahead of her. They went in and dug around and, and found some prizes but didn't, you know, find that grand prize. And so then it came time for her to go. And so I want you to imagine what you would think if it was now her turn and she's there sitting ready to go. And they tell her to go and they start the little timer and she runs in and just sits down and starts building sandcastles. Right, like how foolish would that be? Like how much of a waste of opportunity would that be? Right, well, and you'd be right. Well, fortunately, she didn't waste that opportunity. She went in, she dug around, and wouldn't you know, like she's the one that found that diamond ring. Uh, we ended up not using it for her engagement ring, but uh, we were able to sell it to buy her engagement ring. So it kind of really worked out in our favor there. Uh, but the point of me telling you that is, is that she didn't waste that opportunity. And in light of our passage today, my prayer for us this morning is that we wouldn't miss out on whatever opportunities God might be providing for us today. And I don't know what that might be for you. I don't know if for you that might be an opportunity to fulfill some calling on your life or to take some big step of faith and expand your ministry. I don't know if for you it's just an opportunity to actually begin to, to discipline yourself and prioritize the time alone with Jesus uh, just so that you can know him more and know him more deeply or maybe for you maybe today God is providing an opportunity for you to finally believe the gospel and to experience salvation I don't know what it might be for you but the thing is is that the reality is we might not have another opportunity tomorrow if we're saying no to God today and so if we look at this passage here, we've got this blind beggar, Bartimaeus, who, and he'd made the most of that opportunity. God provided him with probably this, really this, this one and only opportunity to have his need met. And so he cries out to Jesus, and his, his need was met, right? It's an opportunity of a lifetime, and he made the most of it. And so there is this warning several times in Scripture that says, today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. But then there's this promise that we need to mention as well, that those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that's what Bartimaeus does. He calls on the name of the Lord, and he was saved. And so think about it for you. What opportunities might God be providing for you right now? And will you make the most of that? And then like Bartimaeus, we experience the transforming grace of Jesus Christ. And so that's the story we have before us this morning. And so if you have your Bible open here, what you'll see is that we're finishing out chapter 10 today. 
And uh, that means that we're finishing out the section that we've been in lately that's often called the discipleship discourse. And considering what we've seen in this section, we might look at this story about the, the healing of a blind man and, and really kind of wonder why it's here. I mean, think about it. Jesus had healed thousands of people in his ministry. We really have a few stories of that. And then right here, Jesus had been teaching his disciples in this section, but then right before he goes into Jerusalem, we've got this story about the healing of a blind man. And so it's like, okay, Mark, what are you trying to show us here? Why did you include this story? What is it about this? Well, what we need to see here is this story is actually the perfect ending to the discipleship discourse because it illustrates everything that Jesus had been teaching his disciples that they had been missing. And so think back, think about the last few chapters and how just for the disciples, everything they thought about the kingdom was all upside down and and backwards. They were envisioning a kingdom that operated just like the world, according to the world's standards of things like greatness and importance and wealth and glory and authority. And so even think about the scene that we saw last week where you've got Jesus goes to his disciples. As they're continuing to travel, he says, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to go also be resurrected, but it's going to be an experience of humiliation for me. I'm going to be beaten and mocked, and I'm going to be spit upon. It's going to be this, this time of humiliation for me. That's what I'm going to. And then what do the disciples respond with? James and John are like, well, you know, all they can think about, all they can talk about, is how others might be able to serve them. And so they're off. They're not seeing it. They're not understanding how the true kingdom works. And so Jesus, throughout this section, had been teaching them, right, about dependency and humility and self-sacrifice and having treasure in heaven and especially in serving others. He says that's true greatness in the kingdom of God. And it's all encompassed in that verse that we left off on last week when Jesus said, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so again, what we've got is this fitting ending because it illustrates so well everything Jesus had been teaching. And we've got this powerful story of faith and healing and transformation in the story of Bartimaeus. And so now let's look into it. We're going to really break up this into kind of four stages. If you like outlines, here you go first. It's the cry of mercy in verses 46 to 47. And then secondly, the persistence of faith in verse 48. Thirdly, the compassion of Jesus in verses 49 to the first part of 52. And then fourth, the response of discipleship in the second part of verse 52. Let's jump in. The cry of mercy starting in verse 46. It says, And they, referring to Jesus and his disciples, came to Jericho. And after he was leaving Jericho, again on toward his death and resurrection in Jerusalem, it says, With his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, which is actually what Bartimaeus means, that prefix bar means son of, and so it's likely that Mark here is just explaining this for his Gentile readers. And so it says, Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. And so just imagine this whole scene, this kind of setting that we're given. So imagine being on the road with Jesus and his disciples, traveling through Jericho, this, this city that has a lot of symbolic meaning, but also it's got some uh, geographic significance as well. 
And so this isn't the Jericho from the Old Testament. Remember, those walls came crashing down, right? And that city got destroyed. And so now here, it's a, it's a new Jericho. It's about 18 miles outside of Jerusalem. And, and this was a city that was located on one of the biggest oases in that de- desert region. And so this is a great spot for people to pass through as they're going to Jerusalem. And so that's what Jesus and his disciples are doing. That's what this crowd is doing. And, and the crowd is probably even bigger here because now there are so many people who are traveling on to Jerusalem to go for the big Passover festival. And so there, along the roadside, we see this blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And so here we've got this this story that's more than just about physical blindness. What we need to see is that this story symbolizes our spiritual blindness. There is a spiritual blindness that affects us all. And this story echoes the words of Isaiah that says, the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus is that great light. And so here, Bartimaeus is somebody who is, is he says he's blind. And so in this time and place, I would admit he was, he was poor. And because of this, he just had to rely, it says, on being a beggar. And so he's in a desperate situation. And he's dependent upon the mercy of other people. But here for Bartimaeus, there is actually one ray of hope. Because he's hearing about this guy who is doing ministry in Galilee. This guy who's helping people, this guy who's healing people. And maybe he even heard about this one day when Jesus goes into the synagogue, grabs a scroll from Isaiah, and begins to read this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The poor like Bartimaeus. He sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovering sight to the blind. The blind like Bartimaeus. To set at liberty those who were oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Luke 4 says that Jesus rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and then everybody's eyes were on him. Like, what is he talking about? What is he doing here? And then he says to everyone in the synagogue, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And they can't believe it. They can't believe it because now he's claiming to be that promised Messiah. And so now they want to put him to death. But for, for, for Bartimaeus, man, this is a whole different story. This is Looking at this from a whole different perspective, that maybe here, maybe Jesus might be the one, maybe he might be the one that can, that can bring good news to the poor and give sight to the blind. And so he had been hearing about Jesus. And then here on this day, now he's sitting there on the roadside, and there's this crowd that he hears coming through town, right? And there's all this commotion, and there's just thousands of people walking through, and he begins to ask about it. What's going on? Who is it that's coming? And verse 47 says that he had heard about Jesus. He had heard that he is that one, that promised Messiah that he had been hearing about. So verse 47 says, when he heard it, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he didn't hesitate, right? He began to cry out. And the wording there is he was just crying out in desperation, like from the depths of his soul. He's not just like, oh, Jesus, hey, if you could, you know, got some spare change. He's crying out in desperation for Jesus because he knew that Jesus was his only hope. And with that cry of acknowledgement, he cries out, acknowledging Jesus' divine authority. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And so notice what's included in this cry. First, he cries out to the right person. Jesus, son of David. That's the messianic title for Jesus. That's according to God's promise that he gave to King David in 2 Samuel 7. That from his family line, he would establish, it says, the throne of his kingdom forever. Jesus, son of David. Then also notice he cried out for the right thing. He cries out for mercy. He cries out for mercy. Have mercy on me. And so do you see the difference between this passage and the last one? Right? James and John, they tell Jesus, Jesus, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. But here Bartimaeus is crying out for mercy. Because he knew he had nothing to bring to the table. He knew that there was nothing he could do to earn anything from Jesus. There was no way that he could repay him. He was coming as a beggar with open hands. He's not saying, how can I be the greatest? How can I be elevated? He's just begging for mercy like a beggar. And so then, secondly, we get into this part about the persistence of his faith. Verse 48, look at how it continues. And it says, many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And so those cries to Jesus, they were met with rebuke. And that's the same word here that when the, the disciples of Jesus were rebuking the children and their parents from bringing kids to Jesus, that's the same word here. That's what this crowd was doing. Possibly even the disciples were doing, rebuking Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, be quiet, man. Jesus doesn't have time for you. That's an important person. Do you know what he can do? Do you know he's the Messiah? Do you know what he's going to do? Man, he's going to build this great kingdom. He doesn't have time for people like you. But that was Jesus' whole point when he said, no, you've got to receive those children. The kingdom of God is for people like these. But they're trying to silence Bartimaeus, but he wouldn't be silenced. And so think about this, man. How could it be that these disciples of Jesus could be like this? How could they say that I'm a disciple of Jesus, yet they're keeping the very people Jesus said he came to invite in? And can we do this at times? Can we do this as a church? You know, proclaiming, I'm a disciple of Jesus, yet we look at people like there's some kind of inconvenience. We're like, oh, man, it's going to cost me. Man, you know, like, why can't Bartimaeus be like that rich ruler, you know? I'll invite that guy in. Yeah, Jesus has time for him. He's going to make things better for us. And so they're just trying to rebuke Bartimaeus. Be quiet. God didn't have time for you. Man, he's on a mission. He's on a mission to establish his kingdom. But he doesn't let that resistance stop him. Right, that shame that he's receiving, he just presses on through, right? He shouts even louder than before, Son of David, have mercy on me. I heard this quote recently. I think it describes this situation well. It says, you'll never know Jesus as reality until you see him as a necessity. You'll never know him as a reality unless you see him as a necessity. Is that how you see Jesus? Is he just kind of a secondary thing to you? A helpful aspect that you know of your life or do you see him as an absolute necessity well you'll never know jesus as a reality until you see him as a necessity and that's how bartimaeus saw him and so he shows this persistence right it can remind us of that woman with the issue of blood right she goes if i could just touch the hem of his garment then i know that i can be healed it reminds us of that syrophoenician mother who whenever her uh, her child was in need, she's just begging Jesus, you got to do something, you got to help. 
And even when he kind of you know, brings some resistance, he, she just goes, no, even the, even the dogs eat from the crumbs from the, from the children. She was desperate for him, and that's what we see with Bartimaeus. His persistence was, was powerful here. And it kind of reminds us of what Jesus teaches us about prayer and the persistence of prayer. He says, what you should do is you should ask, and you should seek, and you should knock, and then what? And then the door will be opened to you. So then we see the compassion of Jesus, and really we can add the power of Jesus and the grace of Jesus. He's really the hero of this story. And so notice how Jesus met his need, right? And so he is on his way, like traveled to Jerusalem, like headed toward the greatest work in the history of the world. And last passage, we saw that he had his face set like a flint. I mean, he is just on a mission. But then here, whenever he hears this Blind beggar cry out to him, verse 49 says, and Jesus stopped. Think about the grace in just those few words, and Jesus stopped. And I would imagine the crowd is so confused, right? They're looking, what's he stopping for? What is he stopping for right now? There's no way he's stopping for Bartimaeus. But what he's doing is he's showing everybody. He's showing the crowd. He's showing his disciples. He's showing us today. Every person for all time, he's showing us. That Jesus hears us, Jesus sees us, he knows us, and he, he loves us. He's interested in us, right? And so I don't know how you feel about yourself this morning. I, I don't know if you, you know, feel lowly about yourself. You don't think much of yourself. I mean, that's, you know, a, a, an issue for us to talk about at another time. But regardless of how you feel about yourself, you need to know how Jesus feels about you. That he stops, that he's interested, that he hears you. That the Bible even says he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows everything about you, or maybe for some of you, it's kind of lack thereof, right? So, you know, he knows everything about you. I'm not looking at anybody on that. He knows everything about you, and he's interested. He loves you. He stands still. He stands still. He stood still for Bartimaeus. He stands still for you. He hears you. He hears your cry. And then he says, call him. Tells his disciples, call him. The crowd around, call him. And so at first, they're probably surprised. Like, why is he stopping? And now they're really surprised. Call him. Call that guy. No, Jesus, you don't understand. Like, here in Jericho, this is a nice place. There's prominent people. There's wealthy people. There's people that can really do some stuff for the kingdom here. Jesus says, no, I want you to call him. That guy that you just tried to silence. Call him. And so they went, and they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart. Get up. He's calling you. Yeah, Bartimaeus, he is calling you. You know, and the thing is, it's one thing for us to call out to God. It's a whole nother thing for God to call out to us. And so he's calling out to us today. Maybe for some of you, he's calling out directly to you. Like I said earlier, you've never believed the gospel, repented from your sin, and turned to him. But he's calling out to you. Remember that? Warning of scripture today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. He's calling out to you. And then look how Bartimaeus responded, verse 50. It says, with amazement and with joy, he throws off his cloak. I mean, think about what that represents. That represents everything about his old life. That's what he would use to collect that money there as the beggar. But he throws it off. He doesn't care if there's some change with it, whatever, because he doesn't need it anymore. But he's not healed yet, though. Yeah, but he knows in faith he doesn't need it anymore because there's Jesus. And so he sprang up, 
And following the sound of his voice, because that's all he could do, following the sound of Jesus' voice, he came to Jesus. And this is the same call upon all of us, that we would respond like what we see Bartimaeus here, that we'd hear the call from Christ, we'd leave everything behind. That's the call to discipleship. And then we would go after him, we would follow after him as we see here. Verse 51, Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, that's pretty obvious, Jesus. What do you think he wants, right? What do you want me to do for you? But there's something here that's going on. You remember, this is the same exact question that Jesus asked his disciples in the last passage. What do you want me to do for you? But Bartimaeus' answer is so different, isn't it? Right? The disciples, before they asked to be seen, but Bartimaeus is just asking to see. The blind man says to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Just let me recover my sight. And so he's not asking for glory. He's not asking for people to serve him. He is just asking for physically what the disciples should have been asking for all along spiritually. Rabbi, would you help me to truly see you? But there's actually even more going on here with what he says. Because even though the ESV puts that word rabbi here, it's actually not the same word that that rich young ruler said whenever he walked up to Jesus and he said, Rabbi, you know, how do I inherit eternal life? This is a different word here. It's the word raboni. And that word means master and Lord, my personal master and Lord. He's saying you're more than just a good teacher. You're more than just somebody with the answer. You are the answer. You're my Lord and master. Help me recover my sight. And so Jesus looks into his heart, and he sees that he's got this heart of faith, this heart that, that, that matches the confession that he just proclaimed. And so Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus didn't say your works made you well. Jesus didn't say your church attendance made you well. Jesus didn't say the, the level of your begging, you're a pretty good beggar. He doesn't say that. He didn't say your doctrine made you well. He said your faith in me your faith in me was the means by which you received your cure your faith has made you well and so now you've got Bartimaeus he now was you know before he was physically blind now he can see but he was also in a way spiritually blind but now he can see now he can see because he recognized who Jesus is and what he experienced was the transformation that Paul talks about when he says if you're in Christ therefore you are a new creation the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And what's the first thing he gets to see? He gets to see the face of his Savior. He gets to see the face of Jesus. And so have you experienced that transformation in your life? Because again, Jesus is calling you. And so then finally in the story, we see the response of discipleship. After Jesus says, no, he says, go your way, Bartimaeus responds in a unique way. It says, and immediately he recovered his sight. And then he doesn't run and go, you know, see all the sights of Jericho, right? I want to think about for me, like, what would I want to see, right? I've been blind for so long, what do I want to see? Well, of course, I want to see Noel and my kids, you know, but then it's like sunsets and mountains and uh, all the beautiful things of the world. But that's not where Bartimaeus goes. It says, no, it said Bartimaeus followed Jesus on the way. He goes and he follows Jesus. That's what he set his sights on, following Jesus. And by doing so, he gives us a model of true discipleship. 
And so we need to see this here with Bartimaeus, that there's kind of three aspects here. First, he sees himself rightly. That's what a true disciple of Jesus does. He sees himself rightly. He knew he was dependent. He knew that he needed help. He knew that there was nothing that he could offer Jesus, and so that's why he cried out for help. But Jesus says, that's who it is that can enter into the kingdom of God. Secondly, a true disciple of Jesus sees Jesus rightly. He called out son of David. He called out master and Lord. He knew exactly who Jesus was. And then also a true disciple of Jesus responds to Jesus rightly. He didn't leave there and pursue after his own desires, all the things that he had been dreaming of for years, what my life could be like once I'm finally healed. He realized what true life was. And now he had a new desire for his life. And he went after Jesus. He followed after Jesus. Even though Jesus was headed toward the cross, he went there. And church history says that one of the reasons why uh, Bartimaeus' name here is mentioned, whenever all the other healings in Mark's gospel, there's no name mentioned for those who are healed. One of the reasons is is because he became this prominent leader in the early church. There's Bartimaeus following after Jesus. But remember, at the beginning of the message, I talked about how this is more than just about physical sight, right? This symbolizes our spiritual blindness. And this affects us all. And so we need to see this. We need to relate to Bartimaeus. And so even for some of us, it might be hard to relate to him a little bit when it comes to his physical condition. But we need to relate when it comes to us and our spirituality. And so here we need to see, like Bartimaeus, we're spiritually blind without the transformation that Jesus can provide. We're spiritually blind. You see, the Bible teaches that we really have two sets of eyes. right? So obviously we've got physical eyes. And maybe there's some of us here this morning you can see so well. Maybe there's some of you, you know, you're, you're wearing glasses to help you see. Maybe there's some of you, you need to wear glasses to help you see like Tim. Uh, but maybe there's, there's some of us like our uh, beloved sister, Miss, Miss Arlene, who is physically blind. But regardless of the, the condition of your physical eyes, how well you can or can't see, the Bible teaches that we also have spiritual eyes. And apart from Jesus Christ, our spiritual eyes for all of us are blind. We're all spiritually blind. They can only be opened through a supernatural work of God. I mean, that's been the whole theme of this section we've been in. Think about the disciples. Right before this section, Jesus says to them, they'd been seeing all the miracles of Jesus. They knew exactly who he was. He displayed that perfectly. But then they still weren't getting it. They still lacked faith. And so he says to them, Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? Obviously, he's not talking about their physical eyes or the physical ears. He's talking about their spiritual eyes that needed to be opened. Same was true for the religious leaders in Jesus' day. He said about them several times, but in Matthew 15, after they were offended at the things that he was teaching, he says about them, Let them alone. They're blind guides. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a pit. And that may be true of leaders here today, you know, and and so then also, but we need to see that this is true of all of us, right? Apart from Christ, this is true of all of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 talks about how the natural person, like without the transforming work of Jesus, the natural person can't accept the things 
of the Spirit of God. It says they're folly to him. He is unable to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, he says it's like there's this veil that's over our eyes. Whenever we look at the Word of God, we don't see it rightly. We don't understand it rightly. There's like this veil over us. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 4 talks about how it's really the Satan that has blinded the minds and the hearts of unbelievers. We're blinded to spiritual things. We're blinded to the beauty of God. And we need, like Paul says, for God to shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the faith of Jesus Christ. And so we need to accept that apart from Jesus, we're spiritually blind, but also like Bartimaeus, we're also spiritually poor. We're spiritually poor. So regardless of the financial condition you find yourself in, and really, honestly, all of us, no matter the condition that we're in financially, we're rich compared to most of the world and compared to all of human history. And so sometimes along with that can come a little deception. Because I think about in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus wrote to this church of Laodicea, and I want you to consider what it would be like if Jesus wrote a letter that said this to us. He says, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. That's the deception that can, that can happen, that can come with this virtue. We think we're fine, we're good, we've prospered, we don't really need a whole lot, we can provide for ourselves. But then he says, not realizing that you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. He says, you're not seeing your true condition. And so he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, actually rich, truly rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may what? That you may see. What's he talking about here? What's this call? It's a call to repentance. It's a call to return to him. To stop thinking that you're fine and good with what you have materially and physically. He goes, no, you need me. Turn to me. Love me. That's where true riches are found. Psalm 34, 6 says, The poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of his troubles. And so we're spiritually blind without Jesus. We're spiritually poor without Jesus. And we're also spiritually helpless without Jesus. Like Bartimaeus, all that we can do is come to him like a beggar and say, I need you. Have mercy on me. And so again, it might be hard for us to relate to Bartimaeus physically, but we need to relate to him spiritually. We need to realize that we need to cry out to him for his mercy and grace and power. Jason Meyer says, you can't make yourself see, but you can strategically sit on the path of grace where you know Jesus will pass by in the preaching of the gospel. Well, you've done that today. You're hearing the preaching of the gospel. You're hearing that there is salvation that is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. And so Jesus is calling to you. He is inviting to you. He's inviting you. He's, he's calling out, and he says, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? And so how are you going to respond? You know, I began by, began by talking about how we've got an opportunity today that God is providing for us. And maybe for you, that opportunity is to finally believe. It's to finally believe and come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, where your response is, I want to see you, I want to know you, and I want to begin to follow you.
or maybe it's a different opportunity. I don't know what it, what it may be, but how will you respond to the Lord today? And so let me invite you just really quickly to stand as we pray and consider how we should respond. Would you stand and just kind of in a posture of prayer? I want you to consider for you how you're going to respond to the Word of God. Remember that warning today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. How are you going to respond to Him? For those that don't know Jesus yet, repent, believe the gospel, follow Jesus. And even if you say, like, well, I really don't know a whole lot yet, right? I mean, I don't know a whole lot. I don't know a lot about Jesus. Well, think about for Bartimaeus. He didn't know a lot about Jesus, but he did know he was the Messiah. He did know that he was powerful, and he did know that he could do a supernatural work in his life. And so just go to him. I think about the other blind man that was healed. And he says, you know, go wash your eyes in that pool of Siloam. And then everybody was asking him about it. And he says, look, I don't know a whole lot. I don't know a lot about him, but all I know is once I was blind, and now I can see. And so that, for many of us, might be our testimony today. I don't know a whole lot yet, but I know that once I was blind, but now I can see. For those of you who are following Jesus already, just consider for a moment how that's going. Right? How, that, how is that going? Are you responding to the call like Bartimaeus, with joy, leaping up, with joy you're going, are you responding that way? What opportunities might God be giving you? What's he calling you to? And then just consider, as we always should, how can we take the word of God and then teach it to other people? How can we communicate it to other people? You think about the story of Bartimaeus. I mean, what a great story to share with people about how they can be saved by our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I had mentioned... Um, uh, our, our sister, Miss Arlene, and, and, uh, and I just want to share just something quickly with, uh, about her that, that she said recently I think is so profound, and, uh, and honestly, it's, you know, when, when Justin and I talk about it, it's like hard for us to talk about it. Um, she was saying recently the other day, she was talking about how excited she was for that day whenever finally she'd be in glory with Jesus, and she said, you know what? She said, what I'm most excited about is that the first thing I'll see is the face of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She said, that's all I want to see. That's all I want to see. That's spiritual sight. That's true sight. That's what was provided for, for Bartimaeus, and that can be provided for us. True spiritual sight. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, because ultimately that's what we have in this story. This isn't so much a story about Bartimaeus' great faith. It's a story about how you sent your son, and there he was. And when he heard the cry of Bartimaeus, he went to him, and he did the supernatural work. He provided everything that Bartimaeus needed. And he was the one that passed by. He was the one that extended himself. And so help us to see that today. You're inviting us maybe to faith for the first time, or you're inviting us into greater and greater life that you have provided for us. Help us to be about a life that really is pursuing you, that really knows you no matter where you lead, and help us to be the people in the story. You know, when Jesus said, all right, go call him. Help that to be us. Help that to be our church, that we would be those who are calling 
those in the world, that those who need to see, that we'd be the ones to call those to you. Pray that you would do the supernatural work. Anybody who doesn't know you, do the supernatural work right now, we pray. Would you pray that in the powerful name of Jesus, Son of David, would you have mercy on us? Amen. Let's continue in worship.